بسم الله إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So in the last lesson we began looking at the Sunan of Abi Dawood and we mentioned that his name was Abu Dawood Sulaiman ibn al-Ash'ath ibn Ishaq ibn Bashir ibn Shaddad al-Azdi al-Sijistani and that the name of his book or before that that he was born in the year 202 Hijri born in the year 202 Hijri and he died in the year 275 Hijri born in 202 and died in 275 Hijri the name of his book as we said Ishtahara bain al-ulama bis-sunan it has become famous amongst the scholars known as the Sunan, Sunan of Abi Dawood. And from that which is apparent, it is Abu Dawood himself who named his book the Sunan. He himself entitled it as the Sunan. And we know that because he himself refers to his book as the Sunan in the letter that he wrote to the people of Mecca. He said, فَإِنَّكُمْ سَأَلْتُمْ أَنْ أَذْكُرَ لَكُمُ الْأَحَدِيثِ الَّتِي فِي كِتَابِ السُّنَنِ That you asked that I should mention to you the Ahadith which are in the book As-Sunan. So he himself referred to his book as the Sunan. Sunan Abi Dawood, as we now say. In terms of the conditions Al-Imam Abu Dawood used in selecting the Ahadith, that he put in to his book. Qala al-Hafidh Abu al-Fadl Muhammad ibn Tahir wa amma Abu Dawood faman ba'dahu fa inna kutubahum tanqasimu ala thalafati aqsam that as for Abu Dawood and those who came after him their books can be categorized into three categories. Meaning the ahadith that are in their books can be distinguished in three categories. Al-awwal, the first, the narrations that are sahih. The narrations that are sahih. وَهُوَ جِنْسِ مَا فِي الصَّحِيحَيْنِ And they are the same as what you find in Al-Bukhari and Muslim. So, one category of the ahadith which are found in Sunan Abi Dawood and the books that come after him are the sahih narrations. And they are the same as what you find in Al-Bukhari and Muslim in terms of their authenticity. The second category, Sahih ala shartihim, Ashab al-Sunan, waqad haka Abu Abdillah ibn Mandah, inna sharta Abi Dawood wa al-Nasai ikhraju ahadithi aqwam, lam yujma' ala tarkihim idha sahha al-hadith bittisal al-isnad min ghayri qat'in wala irsal. The second category of hadith are narrations that are also authentic 
upon the grading of Abu Dawood and An-Nasa'iyya Tirmidhi ibn Majah upon their level of grading, which may be slightly different to the level of grading that Al-Imam Al-Bukhari and Al-Imam Muslim had, but nevertheless it is a grading within the category of Sahih. So for example, they would narrate the narrations of narrators who may have had some speech around them. There may have been some level of disparagement upon them. There may have been some criticism of them. But there was no consensus of the scholars to abandon X, Y, and Z. The ones where there was a consensus of the scholars to abandon X, Y, and Z, that's a different story. But where there was a degree of criticism on some narrators, but there was no consensus of the scholars that they are to be left, then in that circumstance, if they came across a hadith, where the chain of narration was connected all the way, without any breakages in it, a breakage meaning A, uh, A narrates from B, narrates from C, narrates from D, narrates from E, as opposed to A narrates from B, narrates from D. Now you have a breakage in the chain. As long as there was no breakages in the chain, and the chains were connected, and there was no uh, breakage at the end of the chain, sometimes you might end up with a hadith that says, D narrated from C, narrated from B, narrated from the Prophet ﷺ. You're missing the link between B and the Prophet ﷺ. You're missing that A link, the one directly onto the Prophet ﷺ. So they wouldn't take that. So as long as it was a connected proper chain of narration, and the narrators were not such, that they were agreed upon leaving them by the scholars, they were acceptable, they would take those narrations as authentic narrations, because the chains were all connected, there was no breakage in them, they were all linked, the narrators were not so bad of that nature, where there was a consensus upon leaving them, so overall it was an acceptable narration to take then, so they would take those types of narrations in the category of Sahih. Of course we know Al-Imam Al-Bukhari and Al-Imam Muslim would be a little more stricter in their choice of the Sahih narrations. So that is one type of the narrations that you will find in Sunan Abi Dawood. The third type of narrations that you will find, a hadith, أخرجوها للضدية في الباب المتقدم وأوردوها لا قطعا منهم بصحتها وربما أبان المخرج لها عن علتها بما يفهمه أهل المعرفة فإن قيل لما أودعوها كتبهم ولم تصح عندهم فالجواب من ثلاثة أوجه. So what we are discussing here is سنن أبي داود. With all of the hadith that are in Sunan Abi Dawood, you could categorize them into three categories. There are a selection of hadith in there which would fall into the category of Sahih. The same as Al-Bukhari and Muslim level. Then you would find a selection of narrations throughout the book that fall into a category of being Sahih upon their grading. Connected chains of narration, no major consensus upon the narrators to not be taken from past as sahih. Then the third, the final, the only narrations left now, you've now taken all the narrations that go into the first two categories, all the other narrations that are left now are left to go into the third category, and that is the category where they narrated a hadith in their books, them in there for the purpose of showing 
the opposite to something. Meaning, they put those hadith in there even if they didn't have an absolute certainty upon their authenticity. They put them in there so that you could see, compare and contrast between this narration and that narration, this narration and that narration, that it would all be there like an encyclopedia, all the narrations would be there for you to be able to compare and contrast. So they allowed these narrations to go in there, even if they were not certain of their authenticity. But for the purpose of you having, like we might say these days, an encyclopedia, all of the narrations are there, then at least you can compare and contrast the authentic ones with these ones. It's all there for you. But even then, a person might still say, even then when you give that type of justification, that it was like an encyclopedia, it's giving access to everybody, you can compare and contrast and do your analysis and research, it's for that reason they let them go. Even then a person might still say though, but this is a book of hadith, and if they're not certain that these narrations are authentic, then still, why would you put them in there? A person may still say that, even after you give this justification and explanation. So if that is said, then there are three further answers to give as to why they allowed narrations to go in even though they weren't certain of their authenticity. Answer one, Riwayat qawmin laha one of the reasons is that they allowed such narrations to go into their books because they are the very same narrations that were being used by other people in their books to prove their points. So they were putting those narrations in their books now, Sunan Nabi Dawood, and highlighting the weakness of them. They were putting them in and highlighting that this narration has X problem with it, Y problem with it, Z problem with it. They were putting it there and highlighting the issues with it as well. Highlighting that there's an authenticity problem with this narration. So that you become aware that there is an authenticity problem with this particular narration. And it's a narration that many others are using in their books and using it as though it's sahih. And using it for their evidences and using it for their points. So, Sunan Abi Dawood in there, Abu Dawood put them there. And highlighted that there's problems with this narration. So it was like a means of educating the reader about those narrations that have problems. Putting them there, highlighting the issues in order to educate the person about them. And that's a little bit like at the other extreme end of that, where some scholars would write books full of just fabricated hadith. Why? Obviously not for you to follow that and believe in them, but as a resource for you to look into and become aware of what these fabricated ahadith are, so that if somebody mentions them to you, you know, I saw it in the book of the fabricated hadith. That's not a true hadith then. So that was a genuine encyclopedia style, all the fabricated narrations in that book, just fabricated ones. So you have that as a resource, you can go back to it, you can look at it, and you can determine these are all fabricated narrations. Somebody quotes something to you, you find it in there, then you know it's a fabricated narration. It's a resource book for you, a reference book for you. So that is similar to why they allowed it to happen as well. They would sometimes allow those narrations to pass, but then explain the authenticity issues on them, so that you would become educated regarding that affair. That is one. The reason being because those narrations were being used by others as authentic and being used by others as evidence and putting their points across with them. So Sunan, in the Sunan of Abi Dawood, he put them in and clarified that there's actually issues with these narrations to educate the people on them. Secondly, the purpose of Sunan Abi Dawood 
was not the same purpose or objective as Al-Imam Al-Bukhari or Al-Imam Muslim. Their objective was to purely put together a book with Sahih Hadith. That was their goal in their book. Is that the goal of Abu Dawood? That isn't the purpose of Abu Dawood. Abu Dawood, Al-Imam Abu Dawood, put together this book with different objectives in mind. With the objective of showing these weak narrations to people as well, highlighting the problems in those narrations as well, so that people become aware of those types of things as well. Was that an objective of Imam al-Bukhari or Imam Muslim? Not at all. So the objectives are different. A person shouldn't think that any book of hadith you pick up, then surely the author, the imam who wrote this book of hadith, would only have put hadith in which he thought were authentic. Not necessarily. Sometimes they allowed some narrations to go in there, which others were using as proofs in order to clarify that there are issues with these narrations. So you become aware. So there are different reasons. So the second point you can make is, don't compare this to Al-Bukhari and Muslim, because the objectives of Al-Imam Al-Bukhari and Al-Imam Muslim are different to the objective and the goal and the purpose of Al-Imam Muslim and the others from the Sunan. And thirdly, رَأَيْنَ الْفُقَهَا وَسَائِرَ الْعُلَمَاءِ يُورِدُونَ أَدِلَّةَ الْخَصَمِ فِي كُتُوبِهِمْ عَلْمِهِمْ أَنَّ ذَلِكَ لَيْسَ بِدَلِيلٍ فَكَانَ فِعْلُمْ هَذَا كَفِعْلِ الْفُقَهَا And the third reason is that they were mentioning these narrations in order to educate the readers to the whole issue. So for example, you have a particular issue, some Islamic issue. They give you all the authentic narrations proving that the ruling in that issue is X, Y, and Z. But then they add on some of these other narrations that may not be at that level of authenticity, but they add them on there because these other narrations are being used by other people to prove an opposite point in that same issue. An opposite or different ruling in the same issue. So now you know why other people are not upon this same ruling, because they've got these other narrations that they are using. You've got those narrations now. It's a reference point for you to be able to see why these fiqh differences exist, and what people are using as their evidences, because Abu Dawud has put it there for you. Even though those narrations may not have necessarily passed authenticity levels, he's put them there so that at least you know that other people, when they have some different ruling or fiqh opinion, it's because of this hadith or that hadith. So now it's a reference for you to be able to see what are other people using as their evidences. And they may well be weak, and they will highlight that these narrations have problems in them, but at least you know what narrations they are using. And you know that there are some problems and what those problems are in those narrations. So you should think about that as a, as a goal or an objective of making it like a reference book, as opposed to Al-Bukhari a Muslim, where it was about authenticity only. This is more like a reference, that it gives you the reference as to what evidences others are using to prove their points, what hadith they are using and utilizing. If they are weak, he'll highlight, and this narration does have problems in it. So that is some of the justification or explanation as to why they sometimes allowed narrations to go in there which they weren't even sure of the authenticity of. They may have even thought that there was some problem with it. But it was to allow you to be given a resource, a reference of the various ahadith and what exists and what's out there and to be aware of those things. So the objective is different to Al-Bukhari and Muslim. You're comparing in a way as they say in the language, apples and pears. You can't say, well, this book isn't that good, it's got some weak narrations in it. It's because the objective of the author was different to the objective of Imam al-Bukhari and Imam Muslim. Then, there's a point that some of the scholars they make, that certain ahadith in Sunan Abi Dawood, Al-Imam Abu Dawood doesn't comment on them. 
puts the hadith in and just leaves it be. Those types of narrations that Imam Abu Dawood put into Sunan Nabi Dawood and then just left it without any commentary, without any notes on that hadith, because some hadith he put notes on, highlighting issues and things. But certain ahadith, he put them in there and didn't comment on them. Those ahadith then, let's come across a particular hadith and it's got no commentary from Abu Dawood. We examine it and we notice that it's not, it's not upon the condition of Al-Bukhari or Muslim. So it doesn't fall into the category number one. Sahih hadith like Bukhari and Muslim. It's not to that level. We've examined it. It doesn't fall into that category. وَلَا نَصَّ عَلَى صِحَّتِهِ أَحَدٌ مِّمَّنْ يُمَيِّزُ بَيْنَ صَحِيحِ وَالْحَسَنِ Neither can we find any statements of any other scholars speaking about the authenticity of this narration. In that case, عَرَفْنَا بِأَنَّهُ مِنَ الْحَسَنِ عِنْدَ أَبِي دَاوُدِ وَقَدْ يَكُونُ فِي ذَلِكَ مَا لَيْسَ بِحَسَنِ عِنْدَ غَيْرِهِ in that case, what we can say as default for narrations that Abu Dawood put in there without commenting on them, without mentioning any issue on them, is that at least they are authentic. They are Hassan. They are Hassan. They are authentic if he did not comment upon them. وَقَالَ الْحَافِظِ إِبْنُ حَجَرِ وَمِنْ هُنَا يَتَبَيَّنْ أَنَّ جَمِيعَ مَا سَكَتَ عَلَيْهِ أَبُو دَاوُدْ لَا يَكُونُ مِنْ قَبِيلِ الْحَسَنَ الْإِسْتَلَاحِ بَلْ هُوَ عَلَى أَقْسَامِ so Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar said, all of those narrations that Al-Imam Abu Dawood mentioned but didn't comment on, left them blank, put the hadith there and left it as it is, without any comment on it. Normally, we can examine that hadith and it might turn out that the chain of narration and everything is completely authentic at the grade of Al-Bukhari and Muslim. If that be the case, no problem, done. Authentic narration upon the grade was similar to that of Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Or we may examine it and we might find that it is Hassan Lidhatihi. It is Hassan. A Hassan hadith is a grade lower than Sahih hadith. And it's authentic. It's an authentic hadith as well. But a grade lower than Sahih. Some of them are known as al-hasan li-dhatihi, that in of itself, it is a hasan hadith. It is of the level of being hasan. Some of them though are al-hasan li-ghayrihi. And this is now another great down. Sahih, hasan li-dhatihi, in of itself, hasan li-ghayrihi. Hasan, due to supporting evidences outside of it. Meaning, in of itself, this hadith is actually slightly weak. By itself, independently, that narration is weak. But with supporting evidences, with outside evidences, it is the case that this narration does elevate to the level of being considered Hassan. But it's only got to that level of being considered Hassan, because of the supporting evidences outside of it to push it up. So that hadith is known as Hassan li-ghayrihi. It is Hassan, acceptable because of supporting evidences. Whereas the level above it was Hassan, acceptable in of itself. Didn't need any supporting evidences. So that is the third category. Then below that, you get to the category of weak hadith. Top sahih hadith. Then, Hassan in of itself. And Hassan is a Sahih Hadith, but just not as strong as a, a, a Sahih narration. For example, the narrators who are at the top level of the memorizers, their Hadith will be considered Sahih. Narrators who were not at the top level of memorization, but they were still completely strong and perfectly good, they will be classed as Hassan just because they weren't at the level of those other narrators in their ability. But they were still authentic, trustworthy, everything. So their hadith is authentic. They are Hassan. 
in of themselves. But then you get a hadith which is hasan because of supporting evidences. Without them, it would be weak. But with them, it pushes up and comes into hasan. Below that are the narrations that are weak, and even with supporting evidences, they won't push up to being hasan. They're just too weak. That's your fourth category, the weak narrations. You can't even push them up with supporting evidences, they are too weak. So that's the four different categories of narrations you may come across in the Sunan of Abi Dawood. Some at the Sahih level, some at the Hassan level in of themselves, some of the Hassan level because of supporting evidences. And that's an authentic hadith and it can be taken. And then some at the level where they can't even be supported up to being Hassan, they remain as weak. And that's okay because we've just explained, maybe he put them there just so you can see what others are using for their evidences. So that you can see why others have some fiqh opinion. This is the weak hadith they are using. It's like a reference point. He made the book like that. وَقَالَ الْحَافِظَ النَّوَوِي وَالْحَقَّ أَنَّمَا وَجَدْنَاهُ فِي سُنَانِهِ مَا لَمْ يُبَيِّنْهُ وَلَمْ يُنَصْ عَلَى صِحَّتِهِ أَوْ حُسْنِهِ أَحَدٌ مِمَّنْ يَعْتَمَدْ فَهُوَ حَسَنٌ وَإِنْ نَصَّ عَلَى ضَعْفِهِ مَنْ يَعْتَمَدْ أَوْ رَأَى الْعَارِفِ أَوْ رَأَى الْعَارِفِ فِي سَنَدِهِ مَا يَقْتَضِي الضَّعْفِ وَلَا جَابِرَ لَهُ حُكِمَ بِضَعْفِهِ وَلَمْ يُلْتَفَتْ إِلَى السُّكُوتَ بِدَوْدِ So when Abu Dawud doesn't comment on a hadith, and we don't find any other statements of the scholars regarding it, then unless he's mentioned it is weak itself, uh, 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 it can be considered as acceptable or if there is somebody who notices some issue in those narrations then it may well be weak so the point is when Abu Dawood hasn't commented on a narration you have to examine it to see where it's at <coughs> it may be of the Hassan level and some of them may be of the weak level so now just coming to the end of this section on Abu Dawood what is the the efforts the efforts that the scholars have put into Sunan Abi Dawood. اعتنى العلماء بهذا الكتاب كما اعتنوا بغيره من الكتب الستة وغيرها إلا أننا نجد أن عنايتهم به فاقت غيره من السنن. So the books of the Sunan, Sunan Abi Dawood, Sunan Tirmidhi ibn Majah al-Nasai, the scholars obviously put a lot of effort into those books too. Explaining them, summarizing them, doing various works on them. But what we notice is Sunan Abi Dawood has more efforts of the scholars going into it than the other books of the Sunan. Sunan Abi Dawood has more efforts going into it than the other, the other books of the Sunan. فَجَاءَ بَعْدَ مَرْتَبَةِ الصَّحِيحَيْنِ فِي الْعِنَايَةِ خَاصَ عِنْدَ الْمُشْتَغِلِينَ بِالْفِقْهِ لِمَا حَوَاهُ هَذَا الْكِتَابِ مِنَ السُنَنِ وَلَحَدِيثِ صَحِيحَ وَالْحَسَنَ واختصروه وعلقوا عليه كما ترجم لرجاله ضمن رجال الكتب ستة. So after Al-Bukhari and Muslim which had huge efforts going to them, multiple books written about them, explanations, all types of things. After them, then it was Sunan Abi Dawood that got the main share of the efforts. And scholars, they gave a lot of focus on Sunan Abi Dawood because of how comprehensive it was. How many ahadith that are in there about all of the different issues of fiqh. So many of the scholars gave a lot of importance to this book and did a lot of work on this book in summarizing it, in uh, putting annotations onto it, explaining it, doing the biographies of the narrators within it along with the other books. قال الخطيب البغدادي وكان أبو داود سكن البصرة وقدم بغداد غير مرة that Abu Dawood used to live in Basra, and that he came to Baghdad on multiple occasions, وَرَوَّى كِتَابَهُ الْمُصَنَّفِ فِي السُّنَنِ بِهَا وَنَقَلَهُ عَنْهُ أَهْلُهَا وَيُقَالْ إِنَّهُ صَنَّفَهُ قَدِيمًا وَعَرَضَهُ عَلَى أَحْمَدِ بْنِ حَمْبَلْ فَاسْتَجَادَهُ وَاسْتَحْسَنَهُ ثُمَّ ذَكَرَ عَنَ أَبِي بَكَرِ بْنِ دَاسَ أَنَّهُ قَالْ كَتَبْتُ عَنَّ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ انتخبت منها ما ضمنته هذا الكتاب يعني السنن جمعت فيه أربعة آلاف وثمانمائة حديث ذكرت الصحيح وما يشبهه ويقاربه It's mentioned that Abu Dawood used to live in Basra but he used to come to Baghdad on multiple occasions and that he would narrate his book 
He would read out his book to the students, those ahadith that he put there into the sunnah. He would read that out to the students and narrate it to the students. And it's even mentioned that uh, he actually even presented his book, Sunan, to one of his shaykhs, Al-Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal. He presented the book, Sunan of Abu Dawood. Abu Dawood took that book to Al-Imam Ahmad, and Al-Imam Ahmad uh, praised it and spoke well of it and thought good of it. Al-Imam Ahmad thought good of the book of Al-Imam Abu Dawood. That is mentioned. It is mentioned that he perhaps took the book to Al-Imam Ahmad and that Al-Imam Ahmad was pleased with it as well. That is a narration that exists. Uh, and then some of the explanations then, if we give a list of a few of the explanations that have been done on Sunan Abi Dawood, we have Ma'alim al-Sunan, written by Abu Sulaiman, uh, Hamad ibn Muhammad ibn Ibrahim al-Khattabi, who died in 388 Hijri. We have Mirqat al-Sa'ud, Sunan Abi Dawood, written by Jalaluddin Abu Bakr al-Suyuti, who died in 911 Hijri. We have also Aoun al-Ma'bud, Sharh Sunan Abi Dawood of Al-Azim Abadi, died in 1326 Hijri. We have also Badl al-Majhud fi and that is by Al-Sheikh Khalil Ahmed Al-Saharanfuri, who died in 1346 Hijri, very recently. So that gives you a brief background into the Sunan of Abu Dawood, Sunan Abi Dawood. We'll now move on to the Jami' of Abi Isa At-Tirmidhi. Jami' At-Tirmidhi. So the author here now is Abu Isa Muhammad Ibn Isa Ibn Sawrah Ibn Musa Ibn Al-Dhahak Al-Sulami At-Tirmidhi. Abu Isa, Muhammad ibn Isa, At-Tirmidhi. Al-Zahabi, Al-Imam Al-Zahabi, who wrote the biographies of the famous scholars, he said in the biography of Al-Imam At-Tirmidhi, As-Sawab annahu adharra fi kibarihi ba'da rihlatihi wa kitabatihi al-ilm. That he, that what is true is that he, was harmed in his older age and he had some problem in his older age after his journeying and his writing of knowledge. But we'll mention that later. He was born in 209 Hijri, 209 Hijri and died in 279 Hijri. Died in 279 Hijri. So what is the name of the book? اشتهر جامع الترمذي بنسبة إلى مؤلفه It is famously known as the Jami' Jami' meaning the book that is comprehensive and it collects everything in Jami' of At-Tirmidhi Famously known as Jami' At-Tirmidhi And it is also said of course Sunan At-Tirmidhi Known as Sunan At-Tirmidhi as well as Jami' At-Tirmidhi. Now then, one of the things we can mention here, what level does the Sunan of At-Tirmidhi grade at with the other books? Sunan Abi Dawood, Sunan Al-Nasai, Sunan Ibn Majah, Sunan At-Tirmidhi. Where does Sunan At-Tirmidhi come? What level, what number in amongst those books in terms of their status and their authenticity, etc.? قال أبو عيسى صنفت هذا الكتاب فعرضته على علماء الحجاز فرضوا به Abu Isa At-Tirmidhi says that I wrote this book and I presented it to the scholars of Hijaz in the current day Saudi Arabia region. And they were pleased with it. And then he said, I took it to the scholars of Iraq. And they were pleased with it. 
Faradawbi, and I took it to the scholars of Khurasan, which is more like the Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, that kind of areas. There were scholars there, many of them in that time. He said, I took it to them. They were all pleased with it. وَمَنْ كَانَ فِي بَيْتِهِ هَذَا الْكِتَابِ فَكَأَنَّمَا فِي بَيْتِهِ نَبِيٌّ يَتَكَلَّمُ And he said, whoever has this book in his house, then it's as though he has the Prophet speaking to him in his house. A hadith, sunnah. Al-Imam Al-Dhahbi said, إِنْ حَطَّتْ رُتْبَةُ جَامِعِ التِّرْمِذِ عَنْ سُنِنِ أَبِي دَاوُدِ وَالنَّسَائِ لِإِخْرَاجِ حَدِيثَ الْمَصْلُوبَ الْكَلْبِ وَأَمْثَالِهِمَا Al-Imam Al-Dhahbi says that Sunan Al-Tirmidhi comes below Sunan Abi Dawood and Sunan Al-Nasai. It comes below them. Sunan Abi Dawood is above, Sunan Al-Nasai is above, and then comes Sunan Al-Tirmidhi. Because he says, due to Al-Imam Al-Tirmidhi narrating some narrations from certain narrators who had some issues or a lot of issues, and they were not accepted by many scholars, but Al-Imam Al-Tirmidhi took them and narrated from them regardless. Because of that, the status of his book fell below the status of Abu Dawood and the status of An-Nasai. That is what Al-Imam Al-Dhahbi says. Other scholars have also said, Al-Jami'u Al-Sahih li-Abi Isa Al-Tirmidhi huwa thalithu al-Kutub al-Sitta. That the Sunan Al-Tirmidhi is the third book in the order. You have above it Abu Dawood and An-Nasai. Then At-Tirmidhi comes there. This is what many scholars have said. Some of them said, وَيُفْهَمُ مِنْ رَمْزِ تَهْذِيبِ الْكَمَالِ وَتَهْذِيبِ التَّهْذِيبِ وَالتَّقْرِيبِ وَتَذْكِرَةُ الْحِفَاظِ أَنَّ الرُتْبَةَ جَامِعَ التِّرْمِذِ بَعْدَ سُنِنَ بِدَاوُدِ وَقَبْلَ النَّسَاءِ Some of them said though, based upon some of the other books and their, their uh, uh, symbolization and how they put the order of things, it would appear that some scholars held the opinion that Abu Dawud is above, but then Tirmidhi and then An-Nasai. So some of them put it down as the second of the four. Whereas many of the others put it down as the third of the four. And that appears to be what is generally accepted, that it is the third of the four. That Abu Dawud is higher up and An-Nasai is higher level. Their books, Sunan Abi Dawood and Sunan An-Nasai, are higher level than Sunan At-Tirmidhi. How is Sunan At-Tirmidhi actually organized as a book? How is it put together? رَتَّبَ أَبُ عِيسَى At-Tirmidhi كِتَابَهُ عَلَى الْأَبْوَابِ عَلَى طَرِيقَةِ الْجَوَامِعِ الشَّامِلَةِ لِلْحْكَامِ وَغَيْرِهَا وَكُلُّ بَابٍ مِنْ أَبْوَابِ التِّرْمِذِي يَحْمِلْ عِنْوَانِ الْمَسْأَلَةِ أَوِ الْحُكْمِ الَّذِي رَوَى التِّرْمِذِي الْحَدِيثَ مِنْ أَجْلِهِ so Al-Imam Al-Tirmidhi organized the book upon chapters uh, comprehensively with all of the rulings in there. And every chapter had a title uh, in relation to the issue or the ruling that was going to be discussed in that chapter. The particular issue or the particular ruling. He would put that down as the chapter heading and then those narrations relevant to that would be mentioned within that chapter وَيُورِدُ فِي الْبَابِ حَدِيثًا وَأَكْثَرًا And in each chapter he would mention sometimes one narration, sometimes more than one narration. ثُمَّ يَتْبَعُ ذَلِكَ بِأَرَاءِ الْفُقَهَا فِي الْمَسْأَلَةِ And then after those narrations he would add on some of the opinions of the scholars on that particular issue. وَعَمَلِهِمْ بِذَلِكَ الْحَدِيثِ تَصْحِيحًا وَتَحْسِينًا وَتَضْعِيفًا And he would also generally mention the status of the hadith. Is it strong? Is it weak? Is it Hassan? He would mention what the scholars have said regarding the status of the hadith. وَيَتَكَلَّمُ عَلَى دَرَجَةِ الْإِسْنَادِ وَرِجَالِهِ وَمَشْتَمَلَ عَلَيْهِ مِنَ الْعِلَلِ He would also speak about the chain of narration and the narrators in there. And if there were any hidden problems in that chain of narration, he may well mention the different chains of narration going to the same hadith as well. Uh, and if there were other narrations that he didn't put into the chapter but were relevant to that chapter, he would uh, 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 indicate them. He would indicate those other narrations that exist too. Al-Imam Al-Tirmidhi, what was his grading? Who would he take the narrations from? What was his level of strength and how he worked it out? 
تقدم الكلام على طرف من ذلك في الكلام على شرط البخاري وعند الكلام على شرط أبي داود ونضيف هنا قول بالفضل ابن الطاهر وأما أبو عيسى الترمذي رحمه الله تعالى فكتابه على العربة أقسام Where we talked about Sunan Abi Dawood, all of the hadith in there would fall into one of three categories basically. The book of Al-Imam Tirmidhi, all of the hadith in it fall into one of four categories basically. The first of them, again, absolutely sahih narrations. It has within it absolutely sahih narrations, which are at the grade of Bukhari and Muslim. Second category, sahih narrations at the grade of the Sunan books, the grading of Abu Dawud, Tirmidhi, and Nasa'i ibn Majah was slightly less in strength than the grading of Al-Bukhari and Muslim, but it was still sahih. So the second level of the narrations are the ones that are sahih upon their grading. Thirdly, same as Abu Dawud, narrations where it may not have been apparent that they are authentic, but he put them in there as references and highlighted their issues. So that you have them there and you can see why people are saying certain things and have certain opinions. The narrations are there. He put them in as references. And they may not all be authentic. And fourthly, قِسْمٌ رَابِعٌ أَبَانَ هُوَ عَنْهُ فَقَالْ مَا أَخْرَجْتُ فِي كِتَابِ إِلَّا حَدِيثًا قَدْ عَمِلَ بِهِ بَعْضُ الْفُقَهَ وَهَذَا شَرْطٌ وَاسِعٌ his fourth category of narrations are narrations where he put them in if they were narrations simply being used by some people anywhere. There were some fuqaha somewhere who were using this particular narration for a, a mas'ala, for a ruling in the religion, for some issue. He would put it in there and that could be who knows what level of authenticity or lack of authenticity that may be. But just because it's a narration that some fuqaha somewhere use for their fiqh, for their ruling, he put it in there. So those ones you may well have some that are very weak even. But his point wasn't about telling you if they're authentic or not. It was just to let you know there are fuqaha out there somewhere who use this narration as well as one of their points of evidence. So that you know and you have that reference there. So that was the fourth type of category. And obviously that is a very expansive very expansive. That could be any narration from anywhere. So, finally then the section here, how have the scholars put effort into Sunan al-Tirmidhi or Jami' al-Tirmidhi? Again, there are explanations that have been done, explanations that have been written by the scholars on the Jami' of al-Tirmidhi. وَمِنْ أَهَمِّ شُرُوحِهِ From the most important of the explanations that have been done, on Sunan al-Tirmidhi or uh, Jami' al-Tirmidhi. One is known as Aaridat al-Ahwadi of Abu Bakr ibn al-Arabi al-Maliki. There is another Sharh ibn Sayyid al-Nas. Uh, and this one is not completed. But Al-Hafid al-Iraqi completed it afterwards. Uh, well, he attempted to complete it, but even he did not complete the full book, the full explanation afterwards. It was then his son Abu Zur'ah who then finally came and completed what was left. So over three scholars, it was finally completed a full explanation. Then you also have the explanation of Ibn Rajab al-Hambali on Sunan al-Tirmidhi. And you also have the famous Tuhfat al-Ahwadi of Abd al-Rahman al-Mubarak Furi. Uh, and there are other explanations too, but that is a list of some of the explanations that are available and written and uh, used by the scholars in explanation of Sunan of At-Tirmidhi. That brings us to the end of that section. Any questions up to there so far? On the side, you mentioned on the side, on the side. we're going to get to it yet. So far we've gone through now Al-Bukhari, we've gone through Muslim, we've gone through Abu Dawood, and we've just gone through Tirmidhi. We have still got to do yet Al-Nasai and Ibn Majah.
An-Nasai and Ibn Majah are yet to come. We've only done four out of the six so far. Any other questions up to that so far? In that case, we'll briefly move on to the next one too. And that is the Sunan of An-Nasai. The Sunan of An-Nasai. Written by Abu Abdurrahman, Abu Abdurrahman Ahmed ibn Shu'ib. Ahmed ibn Shu'ib ibn Ali An-Nasai. Born in the year 215 Hijri and died in the year 303 Hijri. قال الذهبي هو الحافظ شيخ الإسلام ناقد الحديث صاحب السنن. What is the name of this book then? The book of An-Nasai. We know it of course as Sunan An-Nasai. But what we have to take note of here. ألف الحافظ An-Nasai كتاب السنن الكبرى. فلما عاد من رحلته إلى مصر مر بفلسطين فنزل الرملة فسأله أميرها أكل ما في سنانه صحيح فقال لا فقال جرد الصحيح منه فاختصره مقتصرا على ما يراه صحيحا وسماه المجتبى أو المجتنى ويعرف أيضا بالسنن الصغرى So it was known as As-Sunan Al-Kubra The Big Sunan As-Sunan Al-Kubra The Big Sunan The Sunan of An-Nasai And it's mentioned that When he had written that And put all of his hadith into it As-Sunan Al-Kubra That when he was coming back From his journey to Egypt He passed by Palestine And he went to Ramla And the Amir of Ramla said to him, So this book of yours, are all of the narrations in there authentic? We've already said, the Sunan books, the authors, their objective wasn't to make it purely just authentic narrations. Their objectives were different about fiqh and references. So he said to him, no. So the Amir said, give me just the authentic ones. Fix it up and give me the copy of just the authentic ones in there. So then it's mentioned that Al-Imam Al-Nasai did that. Summarized the full Sunan of Al-Nasai into a smaller summarized version with the ones which he believed were the authentic ones only. And that book is known as Al-Mujtaba. And sometimes it may be referred to as Al-Mujtana. And sometimes even As-Sunan As-Sughra, the small Sunan, as opposed to the big Sunan. So that was regarding the authentic ones as he viewed them into the smaller version. Al-Imam Al-Nasai, he said, لَمَّا عَزَمْتُ عَلَى جَمْعِ السُّنَنْ إِسْتَخَرْتُ اللَّهَ فِي الرِّوَايَةِ عَنْ شِيُوخْ كَانَ فِي الْقَلْبِ مِنْهُمْ بَعْضَ الشَّيْءِ He said, when I... Began to put together the sunan and I decided to put together the sunan. I made the istikhara to Allah in regards to narrating from some narrators who I did have a little bit of an issue in my heart regarding them. So those individuals after the istikhara, I didn't narrate from them. فَتَرَكْتُ جُمْلَةً مِنَ الْحَدِيثِ كُنْتُ أَعْلُوا فِيهَا عَنْهُمْ He said as a consequence of that, because I had a slight issue, these narrators, are they fully authentic or not? That I left some of them, and as a consequence, I left some narrations that I had very short chains of narrations in. Because the shorter your chain of narration, the better. The scholars always wanted the short chains of narration. Narrate from C, from B, to A, to the Prophet ﷺ. As opposed to from F, and starting backwards up to the Prophet ﷺ. The closer they can get to the source, the better. He said, I had some really close ones to the source, but because of the odd narrator in them, I wasn't convinced I left them. I didn't narrate them in the sunnah. وَقَالَ أَبُوْ الْحَسَنِ الْمُعَافِرِ 
إذا نظرت إلى ما يخرجه أهل الحديث فما خرجه النساء أقرب إلى صحة مما خرجه غيره. If you look at what the people of hadith narrate in their books of hadith, you will notice that what al-imam al-nasai narrates is stronger and closer to authenticity. It's mentioned about al-imam al-nasai that he was very strict in terms of the narrators that he picked and the authenticity of them. He was very strict, more than many of the others. It's also mentioned... By Al-Hafiz Ibn Rushaid, Kitab al-Nasai abda' al-Kutub al-Musannafa fi al-Sunan tasnifan wa ahsaniha tarsifan. Wa kana kitabuhu jami'an bayna tariqatay al-Bukhari wa Muslim a'hadzin kabir min bayan al-Ilal. That the book of Al-Imam al-Nasai, it's like a balance between, or, or it's on a pathway between the ways of Al-Bukhari and Muslim. And he mentions a lot of issues in the narrations where they exist as well. And that was something that was needed at that time. And the scholars, they used to view that as something very valuable. If a scholar writes down the issues in the change of narrations and highlights any hidden problems in the change of narration, they wanted those types of details. That was something very important to know the authenticity of narrations. Also, generally speaking, from the books of the Sunan, Al-Nasai, Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah, and Abu Dawood, like we said, their objectives were different, and as a consequence, some hadith got in there that were not authentic. But the Sunan of Al-Nasai has the least of them. From those four, the least number of weak narrations are in Al-Nasai. Abu Dawood, Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah have more weak narrations in them than Al-Nasai. Nasai was known to be very strict. Uh, and so the narrators that he narrated from, they would be much better ones. Sometimes Abu Dawood and uh, Abdul Majah Tirmidhi would allow some narrators to go in that Al-Nasai wouldn't. وَعَلَى الْجُمْلَةِ فَكِتَابُ النَّسَاءِ أَقَلُّ الْكُتُبِ السِّتَّةِ بَعْدَ صَحِيحٍ حَدِيثًا ضَعِيفًا وَرَجُلًا مَجْرُوحًا وَيُقَارِبُهُ كِتَابَ أَبِي دَاوُدِ التِّرْمِذِي وَيُقَابِلُهُ مِنَ الطَّرْفِ الْآخِرِ كِتَابَ أَبِي مَاجَةٍ فَإِنَّهُ تَفَرَّدَ فِيهِ بِإِخْرَاجِ حَدِيثٍ عَنْ رِجَالِ مُتَّهِمِينَ بِالْكَذِبِ Sunan al-Nasai then, with the least number of weak narrations, then getting close to it, uh, the Sunan of Abu Dawood and al-Nasai, and the one with the most weakest narrations in it is Sunan... No, no, Ibn Majah. Al-Tirmidhi, al-Nasai, al-Tirmidhi and Abu Dawood were getting close to the level of al-Nasai. But Nasai had less weak narrations. But then at the bottom of them all was Sunan Ibn Majah. Um, كتاب السنن كله صحيح وبعضه معلول إلا أنه لم يبين علته والمنتخب المسمى بالمشتبه صحيح كله So like we said, Al-Imam al-Nasai has two versions One which is the big version with everything in it And there may be some weak narrations in there Then there was the summarized version Which he attempted to only put the authentic narrations into um, In terms of how much effort the scholars put into the sunan Similarly, just like the other books, the scholars put in a lot of explanations and effort into the Sunan as well. وَأَمَّا شُرُوحُهُ فَلَمْ أَقِفْ عَلَى شَرْحٍ لَهُ سِوَى شَرْحَ السِّيُوطِ وَحَاشِيَةَ السِّنْدِ There are two explanations that are available. One is the explanation of Al-Imam al-Siyuti and the other one is the, anic- the uh, uh, annotations, the, the points of benefit and extras that al-Sindi did. حَاشِيَةُ السِّنْدِ there is, of course, now for Sunan al-Nasai a huge explanation that has been done in approximately 40 parts printed in 20 volumes by a Sheikh Muhammad Adam al-Ethiopi. So there is a huge, big 20-volume explanation available now. And the final one then, if we mention it too, the Sunan of Ibn Majah. The Sunan of Ibn Majah. He was Abu Abdullah Muhammad Ibn Yazid Ibn Majah. Muhammad Ibn Yazid Ibn Majah. And he wrote books, not just the Sunan, but books in history and books in tafsir too. He had books in various places. Uh, and he was from Qazween which is 
to the north east side of Turkey. To the north east side of Turkey, that type of region, uh, that is where he was known as the half of, of that area. He was born in the year 209 and died in the year 273 Hijri. His book, famously known as the title suggests Sunan Ibn Majah. Famously known as Sunan Ibn Majah. Um, in terms of his book then, Awaluman Al-Haqahu Bil Kutubil Khamsa. We have Al-Bukhari, we have Muslim, we have Sunan Abi Dawood, we have Sunan Al-Nasai, we have Sunan Al-Tirmidhi. Those five are there. This now comes in as the sixth one. But not always. It's not always been like that. There were scholars in the past who used to have other books in the list as the sixth one. When we talk about the six famous books, it wasn't always Ibn Majah as the sixth one. There are scholars who had the opinion actually not Ibn Majah, it should be a different book as the sixth out of the six. So, what were those? Some scholars, they used to consider that the muwattah of Al-Imam Malik should be considered as the sixth book. And there were some scholars who had that opinion, uh, that it should be the muwattah of Al-Imam Malik. وَقَدْ رَتَّبَ إِبْنُ مَاجَ كِتَابَهُ عَلَى الْأَبْوَابِ مُشْتَمِلًا عَلَى السُنَنْ وَالْحْكَامِ كَبَاقِ الْكُتُبِ سِتَّةِ The organization of Sunan Ibn Majah is the same as the others on the chapters of fiqh. وَأَخْرَجَ فِيهَا الْحَدِيثَ صَحِيحُ الْحَسَنْ وَضَعِيفُ Same as the other objectives in the Sunan, the authentic ones, the Hasan ones, and some weak ones are in there too. وَفِيهِ بَعْضَ الْمَنَاكِيرُ وَالْمَضُوعَاتِ But like we said, most of the weaknesses are in Ibn Majah compared to others. There are even some fabricated narrations to be found within Ibn Majah. لَكِنْهَا قَلِيلَ But they are very limited. Not many, just a few here and there. لَكِنَّهَا قَلِيلَ مِنْ أَجْلِ هَذَا حَطَّتْ رُتْبَتُهُ عَنِ الْكُتُبِ خَمْسَةً So because of these narrations that are into the level of fabricated or really weak, there are some of those in Ibn Majah. As a consequence, his book comes at the sixth level below the other three or five altogether below them. Uh, Muhammad Fuad Abdul Baqi, he mentioned, وَقَعَتْ جُمْلَةْ أَحَدِيثَ السُنَنْ ibn Majah that the number of a hadith in Ibn Majah is 4,341. 4,341. 3,002 of them, Three thousand and two out of the four thousand three hundred and forty-one, so just a little short of three quarters, were a hadith that overlap. They are in the other books of Sunan as well. Three thousand two hundred of them, you'll find them in somewhere an Nasai, Abu Dawood, Tirmidhi. Maybe not all three of them, but somewhere they'll be there. Three thousand and two out of the four thousand three hundred and forty-one are in the other books as well somewhere. But that means 1,339 are exclusively only in Ibn Majah. Um, from these extras that are exclusive to Ibn Majah, 428 of them are authentic. 199 of them are Hassan. And that leaves 613 as weak and 99 at the real bottom level of weakness, of extreme weakness. 613 as weak, and those types you might even find in the other books too, of that level. But then this level of the 99 of extreme weakness in their chains, etc., that is something you find in the Sunan of Ibn Majah, and that is the reason why it's considered at the lowest level from the six books. The same as the other books in terms of the uh, explanations, there are explanations upon it. Uh, there is the Sharh of Al-Mughlata'i, Al-Hafid Mughlata'i. There is also the Ta'liqat of Al-Suyuti, the Hashiyah of Al-Sindi again. 
So there are works that have been done as well on Sunan Ibn Majah in explaining it and uh, putting effort into that book also. That brings us to the end of those six books. A brief overview about them, what they're about. You've understood the different objectives between them and the types of narrations in them. So that is what we'll conclude today then. Insha'Allah ta'ala, we'll carry on the next session with the next section. And in the next section and the next chapter, there are a few other books that are famous and they are known. So we'll briefly, briefly go over some of those other books like the books of Ibn Khuzayma and Ibn Hibban, etc. We'll do a few of those books uh, and then we'll just mention some of the books where the scholars put together fabricated a hadith as reference books as well. There's a few other little books and things that we'll come across yet in the next few sessions, insha'Allah. So we'll round up on that tonight then.